past few months, Wildwork has been part of the Ability Program. This is a program that assists young people with disabilities to develop the confidence and independence to participate in education, training and employment. Wildwork joined the program to work with the participants to develop a Wildwork Citizen Science Training Program called Journey to Becoming a Wildwork Citizen Scientist. In this episode, myself, Karen and William from Wildwork look back over the program and chat about our experience. First, we discussed why we decided to run a citizen science training program. Well, well, we somehow ended up in a scenario where we work on the Wildwork Initiative, CCAD partnership, and part of our work is that we are, we are recording wildlife and we are teaching people about recording wildlife all the time and encouraging people to record wildlife. And what we've started to discover, I think, anyway, over a few years of doing this, is it isn't just about recording wildlife, actually, and the benefits that can be gained from a conservation perspective uh, if we manage to you know, increase the amount of citizen science records we have about wildlife species, birds, bees, butterflies, so on. We've found, you and I, Karen, that this is actually great stuff to be doing this. It's fun, enjoyable, it's good for your well-being, getting out in nature, observing wildlife. You can tune in to what's around you, forget about your worries, you know, be out there walking beside a, a lovely hedgerow and observing what bumblebees are foraging on the brambles or whatever it might be, that we found that it's a nice experience to do citizen science and you can benefit from it. So. This course, I think, came about, yeah, we wanted to encourage people to record wildlife. We wanted to figure out how to teach that better. That's part of it. This was a chance for us to actually really get stuck in and really test our, I wouldn't say our ability, because who knows who knows if we what our level of ability was there, but we wanted to actually have a chance to do a course that was specialised on teaching citizen science, because we thought it was so important but certainly that well-being side of it. We feel, I do certainly, that if people get, if, if somebody, if a person gets involved in citizen science effort, whether it's recording something in a stream or observing significant trees in their community or going out there and recording what birds are in the garden with their children during the winter, I think it's really good for people to be doing that because it's such a healthy activity, whether it's socially or physically or whatever else. So we wanted to kind of share that aspect of it too. And in terms of it being part of the ability course, I think it fitted in so well because the ability course is all about learning new skills and new things, but also has a huge well-being aspect. So us being invited in as wild work into the ability course, bringing this as a course to the wild, to the ability students was, I think it was a great fit. And we were we were very excited and thrilled to do it. This course was delivered a little bit differently than we usually do. So how did we deliver it? So this was an interesting time, as it was for so many things, to try out this course. We were not able to meet up. And as Wild Workers and as our Wild Workers course, I mean, immediately we would take people out. Now, there might be a small classroom aspect, but I think you would agree with me, a big thing that we like to do to Wild Workers, we like to get people outside and we like to show them the nature and do things practically. But we had to really change the way we 
provided courses like many other people, and we had to do this entirely, well, mostly online. Yeah, we did. So how do we do it? We were online and we had to, so we delivered this course through Zoom and we've done little bits and pieces of teaching through Zoom. It's not ideal, but actually that's maybe the way we always think of it though. It's not as good as doing it outside in nature, face to face. And yeah, I think it isn't, but actually it allows lots of other possibilities for you to teach in a different way. So it's probably not a case of, is it better or is it worse? It's just that it's different. And with teaching online, you actually get the chance to do things that you might be able to do otherwise. So the format we picked for this, once we decided on the content of this course, is we decided to pre-record videos where you and I, Karen, we prepared a lesson. Um, it might have been actually us outside in the field recording citizen science, or like there was one video now and we were recording bird song, and we, we edited it together to say what the birds were. And then before presenting the video to the class, we then watched it ourselves in advance of the class and had a discussion with each other around that topic. So the whole thing was put together into a video package. You and I, as the trainers, having put together this video and then talking around the video. So it was like the discussion part that you might normally have in a class. We did that also. So then we were able to provide the participants with, uh, say, a 20-minute video, of which 10 of it might have been the video itself, and the rest was five minutes either side, you and I talking about that topic. And it was a really nice way to piece the bits together. And then we could have more conversation with the class afterwards. So it allowed it to be quite engaging, I think, actually. But also, these videos became homework pieces that we were able to then share with the class. We had our own playlist on our YouTube channel for the participants to be able to watch back in their own time. Or if anyone had missed the course, they were able to engage with that content as well. So I think it took a lot of extra effort to have to put that together more than you would have if you were just delivering this in the traditional way in the classroom slash outdoors. Um, but what we had at the end, it's was worked out really well. And, you know, if we want to, we could use some of that now again with other people. We have really good recorded video lessons that we would have never had if it wasn't for this approach. So we had an idea of what we wanted to do. We basically had, uh, we designed out a program for the way we wanted to teach citizen science. We picked the particular topics that we wanted to delve into. So there was things like citizen science in terms of well-being. But then we also picked thematic things to focus on like woodlands, meadows and rivers. And then we also picked out, tried to make it relate to projects we were involved in with wild work or other stuff that was going on around Cork, whether that was to do with significant trees or otters or kick sampling rivers. So we tried to make it really local and make it very relevant for the participants of the programme. And we had our content that we wanted to deliver. Before we did anything with the class, we actually told them why we were doing this. And we said that this was as much about us being able to teach the participants as actually it was about the participants teaching us. Um, so we asked people, would they be okay basically kind of being our guinea pigs in one sense, participating in this program because they're the first class that would ever have done it. But in so doing, we were really looking for them to guide us and to tell us what did they think about the way in which we were trying to teach and about the content. Was it good? Was it bad? And sometimes we had discussions during the program about videos you know, people might have said, oh, that one was a bit long or 
maybe that content was too technical or whatever. So really, we presented ourselves at the very beginning to the class as two people who were passionate about this idea. We thought it was a great thing to be able to teach a class. We were looking for a class that was willing to engage with it. And we were looking for that class to help us figure out how to do it and to give us feedback on what we were doing. And that was a real nice part of it. So it was, it was nearly more like we were the ones here to learn as opposed to we being the ones here to, there to teach. With COVID and numerous lockdowns, it's been an unusual time. So what were the challenges in providing this training? Technology is a challenge. Being yes. able to depend on it. And in that it is a wonderful tool, but it can lead you down. You know, so, you, and I think this is for any course, but any anyone who's using technology for anything, trying to teach online, especially, you might have poor internet connection. You might have some of the participants of your course have, dif- have the poor internet connection or they have difficulty accessing a link or they're unsure of how to do things. Um, again, one of the ways we overcame that was that was part of the reason why we pre-recorded stuff. We had the videos on our YouTube channel so that people were able to just be provided with a link and they could watch it on their own computer as opposed to us putting it out through a live feed. And then we had a better quality of recording, but then even things like around simple stuff, really. But it was a challenge to kind of maintain uh, an engaging kind of a dynamic in the course with people. Um, And it certainly worked really well for it to be both two of us delivering the course Um, because you get very much fed up of listening to one voice anyway. But if it's in an online environment, that's amplified, I would suggest. I better stop talking now, even just thinking of that. No, I agree with that. Technology was definitely a challenge and us learning how to use a new technology was a bit of a challenge. I also found it difficult to connect to the participants at the beginning, not being able to have little chats with them as an aside and like a lot of people don't want to be seen on Zoom. I can completely understand that and I completely agree with it. I know when I'm on Zoom, I have my my camera off. So it was a bit of a challenge to get to know the participants in the beginning, that was a little bit slower than it would have been if they were in the class in, in the classroom with us. Yes. Another challenge is trying to find that we were very much looking for participants in this course to actively engage with what we were asking people to do. So a challenge for us in, a, in, a, in asking anyone to do something is it needs to be appropriate task, something that the person will be able to do. Um, and also, though, something that they would like to be able to do. Um, again, technology presented difficulties in that because some of the things we were asking to do might be to submit a record using technology with, with a phone app or on a computer. Or we might have been asking them to just get out and about and go observe nature around them. And sometimes, you know, to the, as the teacher, you might think, oh, that's a simple thing to ask someone to do. But it's not necessarily simple. And during this course... We also had the COVID pandemic going on. Like, so some people were, some of the participants on our course, they were, they were all in lockdown, but some people were actually stuck indoors. And that was a challenge for people to overcome. Although I think some of the stuff we were asking people to do was good there because if you want to be a citizen scientist, 
you can actually do it sitting down on the chair, looking out your window, observing birds or whatever. So that's certainly a challenge I think we turn into a positive and we encourage people to engage with that. And speaking of turning challenges into positives, do you see, I think I do, but I'd like your opinion on it as well. Do you see this using a Zoom going forward now that we we know all the challenges, maybe we've worked out some of the kinks, that this is something that we will be using a little bit more of so that we can engage and have people on our courses who normally wouldn't be able to come to our courses. Maybe they're in another part of the country or they're not able to get outside. So is this something, despite all its challenges, that we might be using going forward? What do you think? I think I think we should. Yeah, and you certainly have the option to do that. Uh, that's the beauty of this. We have captured the live moments of what we were teaching to people and that's really nice. And it can be shared, opened out to anyone. You put it really well, Karen. You know, not just around the country. In theory, you do something online, someone from anywhere in the world mm. could engage with this course if they're interested in that. Um, so that is a brilliant thing to be able to do that. Uh, I guess, though, it comes back to what I was saying earlier, that it's not this approach isn't necessarily better. It's just different. So what's really nice and I mean we did bring outside into this online environment so you and I we actually went out into our garden we went walking around the field we went and found stuff that we could within the restrictions that were there we captured live nature moments and put them into videos and then shared them with people so like that was part of if if we were if we we as the people developing the content during this course were actually stuck indoors too and all we could record was by looking out the window, maybe it wouldn't have been quite as good. But, but some of the stuff we found was really nice. And we were able to as well go back in old footage, but there was very um, engaging material around. Like I remember birds in your garden, you had a, a blackbird or something that came every day and fed from your garden and you had it in a video. There was little moments like that. that the lovely um, bird song that you recorded on a walk. Yeah, and... For some of the people on our course who were actually in lockdown and not able to go outside and engage with nature as much as they might otherwise, we this course, this online uh, environment was able to provide them somehow with some bit of nature interaction. Uh, you could say maybe not real, but we were sharing real stuff with people and that was nice. I think both Will and myself would definitely say there were more highlights than challenges. So what were they? So one of my personal highlights was when the participants started engaging, as I said, you know, it took a little bit of time. People were getting to know us. We were getting to know them. And you were wondering if people were listening to you because a lot of people had their cameras off and that was absolutely their prerogative. But you, you kind of wondered, were people listening? Were we getting through? But then you'd have a little bit of feedback. Uh, a question would pop up or someone would raise a hand or when we asked um, a question about favorite rivers, people would answer back. And, I, and it was just, it was, it was great. You were like, yes, they are listening. They, they're engaging. They look like they're enjoying. And that was fantastic. So that was my personal highlight when people, when the participants started engaging and getting back into us, it was fantastic. Yeah, there was a moment where someone shared a story about um, a stream nearby them. It wasn't even about the stream or the river itself. It was the place where they could go and sit down and be by the river. 
it was so personal, the story that they told, that this place was so important to them. They regularly went there and it was a really nice nature place, but it was somewhere that no one would ever think would be a, a place to go to, to experience nature. And that was so cool. Like it was a moment in, in the class where I think people were, were actually like everyone in the class, even though we were together online, it felt to me like the participants at that moment were all actually thinking about places they were and their experiences they had with nature. And they were so connected with what we had asked them to do as in tell us about special or important places, streams to you, rivers to you. And the way the person told their story was just so about why it was important to them. And it was really nice to get that. And that might sound like it was just a conversation about um, nature and I like nature because whatever. And it might sound really simple, but it was so powerful because everyone in the class then was telling us where their important or special river kind of themed places were and why they were important. And you could start when you started to listen to everyone's voice. It was like this picture was building up this map of these important nature spots to do with rivers. And I was just thinking, like, can you imagine if you got even 100 people in Cork to do that? You know, or 200, 300,000 people in Cork to do that, basically put their important nature spot on the map and say why it's important and where it is. It, w- it would be a really, a, it'd be so simple, but a powerful citizen science effort because you would put, you would acknowledge the important places in our community in terms of nature, the places that people value. And it would be a way that you could share that with other people. And just the way the participant told their story, it was so well told, it was so simple. They didn't, didn't take them long to tell it, but I just thought it was a powerful moment. It was definitely a highlight for me anyway. I think you, you hit the nail on the head there. It was a powerful moment. And I guess when we're putting a course together, we think a lot about what we want to teach people, what we hope they will understand and learn by the end of it. And that might be how to identify a tree, how to record. But those moments, I think, are the best when people think back to one of their favorite places in nature that we've encouraged them to think about and encouraged them to remember. Maybe that is something you can't analyze or quantify so much in a course like that. But yeah, for me, it was one of the the nicest things to come out of that if people were thinking about nature. Yeah, and another highlight was when we got some records that one of the participants had um, taken a photo of a bird and a few trees and Live in class, we decided, okay, let's actually input these records into the Wildwork Citizen Science portal. And it was cool because there we were all as a class, live moment, being citizen scientists, putting this record onto our portal. And I, I had to do it live and I was having some trouble with that part of this and people couldn't see how I was having to try to figure it out. And I thought that was even nice because they could, people, sometimes if you're asked to do something you know, online, um, and you go to do it, oh, that's, I don't know how to do this, oh, that's hard or whatever. And they could just see the way we worked through it, figured it out. And then we checked, is it showing up on the map? And everyone there and then could see our record. And that was cool because really that was the main thing we were asking people to do is get out there, observe nature in your community or in your home or wherever you are and give us something that we can use to put as a record onto our portal. And um, of course, we went beyond that then. There was lots more records and that got put on. And when we went to Hall Bowling for a trip as a class, 
we had asked there I think there was was there 16 of us there on the day or something and it was like let's try and get one species record per person from our trip and within two minutes we had like 24 records we had one for everyone in the audience different wildflowers and you could really start to see that if people actually engaged with this as a concept then you could very quickly start getting loads of records and sharing loads of stories and people were just finding and seeing different types of flowers everywhere whereas I think perhaps before people went on that trip they may have went to this was in Hall Bolin where there's wildflower meadows that we manage and maybe if people went there before the class outing they might have just been like oh this is a lovely place oh that's a nice meadow but, they, but perhaps mightn't have taken notice of the diversity of life that was within those meadows all the different types of flowers and then all the different types of uses on those flowers for people uh, and then all the different types of species that depend on them whether it was bumblebees we found a bumblebee that was asleep in hiding in, in, from the wind inside in a petal of one flower and then there was lots of birds hovering around the habitats and it was just really magical and I know look the majority of the course was all done online but it was brilliant to be able to come together as a class and get to do something outdoors. It was really lovely that we had that one experience anyway. And you reminded me actually the bird um, was one of the records that you put up live and no, I don't think we did because we couldn't decide what it was. We weren't sure, was it a young blackbird or was it a song thrush? And that was really fun. I hope people could see that, you know, even we have to go, oh wait, no, we have to do a little bit of research and figure this out. And I can't remember if, if I figured, I think I did figure it out, but I can't remember which I decided on. But I had to go to a bird book and um, have a good look. That, yeah. that, was, that was really fun for me. That was, you know, ooh, I'm back into my nature detective mode here and sharing it with the class. And the other thing that was a favourite bit or a favourite aspect of this course was the way that we did work together on it, Karen, being able to, to, to converse with each other around these topics and for that to be recorded and to become a, a, a live session that a class watched, like anyone, you know, we're recording this as a podcast now, but anyone who's into a particular thing, in our case, it's nature and citizen science. If you get the chance to get to converse around it and chat to someone who's equally interested in it, like you and I, that there was a, that was a really nice thing, way to be able to deliver something. So it'd be a bit like if you wanted to, I don't know, teach a class about cooking and you brought together two people that were really passionate about cooking dinners and just got them having a chat about it they would have a very enjoyable conversation with each other I'm sure and that's kind of what we had but it was a nice way to be able to present the topic then to the students that they got to see two people that are really into this topic that are interested talking about it and so I hope that came across well for the students but the experience of teaching in that way that you and I kind of informally engaging with each other having a chat around stuff we're really interested in kind of exploring trying to learn about that together that piece was enjoyable definitely and if it if people thought that that was an effective way to actually teach then I would look forward to doing more of that with other people you know we could bring in someone there that's an expert on bats and have a chat with them about bats and ask them questions about bats and whatever else and have a really enjoyable time doing that. I think it's enjoyable talking about stuff you're interested in with other people who are interested in it. And Absolutely. Then, and, I, and I hope that yeah. comes, as you said, I, I think that comes across to people when there's two people who, who love what they're talking about and sharing information that does come across. 
Yeah, or else they think, oh, Jesus, those guys are wackos. <laughs> there is that too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so at least either way, it might have been a bit of a laugh anyway. Well, we <laughs> enjoyed know. ourselves, so yeah. <laughs> that was important. Yeah. One of the days, uh, I was actually, we're working from home during this process. And I, so I have, I was actually, my home was in two separate locations during this time because I'd gone home to Galway, to where my where my wife is from over Christmas and then we were all locked down and not allowed to leave county and we were working from home anyway so my home continued to be Galway for some months and then later on when we had to go back to school and my wife had to go back to work and whatever we had to come back to Cork then so I changed location but when we were in Galway one of the mornings it was a beautiful crisp morning in like early February and the sound quality outside was just amazing you could hear a pin drop and I just went outside around the apartment where we were. We were quite close to the mountains, really nice habitats around where we were. And as you walked, you could almost hear a bit of a crunch and the frost. And I'd spent about 20 minutes outside there. And it was one of my favorite 20 minutes of the year, I'd say, regardless that I was preparing this content. And I was just totally immersed in just trying to see what I could see and hear. And I produced a video of it. The sound quality, as I said, was amazing. So towards the end of it, at first it's about the plants and the trees and stuff I'm seeing. And then it becomes about the bird song and you start to hear the different birds. And when we played the recording, as the birds came in singing, I just put on screen like what, what the bird was. So there was a wren and I think there was a great tit, as I remember, and I don't know, something else. I'm actually forgetting now what they were, but they were putting in a really good performance. And I think as you watched it back, you could start, if you were listening to this, you could start almost trying to practice, see, do you know what the bird is? And eventually you'll get the name on the screen. So it was quirky. Then at the very end of it, and it's typical of that part of the country, there's lots of Massey Ferguson tractors pottering about. <laughs> and you could hear a in the distance bird song and just the Massey Ferguson tractor. I think that was one of the last entries on the video then. It was like a real serious, relaxing, let's engage with nature you know, kind of spiritual almost type of video. And then you just have at the end, Massey Ferguson. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was kind of funny, but it came out really good. It's 10 minutes long, took very minimal editing. And um, we haven't shared that video now with anyone else yet, but it just worked so well. And at the time we were trying to say to people, you know, you don't have to go far to find amazing nature around you. And this video was all shot within like at any one time, it was no more than 50 steps from the kitchen table, you know, and we just got great quality audio and visual content and a lovely video was made. So that was my favorite thing. I think that I ended up being able to make or create while I'm working on this course. My favorite piece to create was the bit on otters in citizen science. The otter project was something oh, almost two years now that I worked on and I spent a good amount of time on it. I had done a lot of reading and a lot of research, learned so much about otters. And in the past two years, I don't think I've talked about otters or thought about otters. And it was just so nice for me to be able to go and revisit that old knowledge, to revisit some of the old photos I'd taken and to share that in a video. I had so much fun putting that together. And then we had a chat about it afterwards and you asked me some questions about it, and I felt a little bit like an expert 
on a radio show getting to talk about otters and getting interviewed about it. And it, it was just, it was so fun to be back there and to look back on the project, look what I had, I had contributed to this little corner of citizen science. So it was great to share that. And I had a huge amount of fun putting that together. And finally, what is next for the wild work journey to becoming a citizen scientist? Well, now we're at the end and this podcast we're recording, we're going to share that with the class on the last day and hopefully they're going to like it. And we're also putting together a video, which is essentially capturing all of the learning that we all done and all of the citizen science recording and all the stuff that the class the participants contributed in effort over the course of the program will be put into a video that we'll showcase as well. But that will bring the end, bring to a close our first ever Wild Work Journey to be a Citizen Scientist course. And I would like to think we're going to do more of this sort of stuff. Um, it, maybe we need a little bit of time and sit back and reflect on it and go back over what we've done. But it feels like it's a type of a course that could be delivered to a wide range of people. We could do this with secondary school students. We could do this with people in a company. We could do this with farmers. We could do this with another ability program. There's, I think, a wide range of an audience that might enjoy to do a course like this. I don't know whether it's in the exact same format or snippets of it. Certainly a lot of the content that we created, like even the, the Otter video about the Citizen Science Project, we did stuff on significant trees. We have standalone pieces of um, content that we generated during this course that could be put to other educational purposes. But the actual course itself, I'm, I would be very happy with how it went. I think we picked the right sort of topics to try to engage with and teach. We did have a really good class, which was a big help, but I certainly think we have a program that could be delivered to other people and not just in Cork, around the country or anywhere else. So hopefully there's people out there, Karen, who would like to actually get involved in a course like this and come and do a wild work journey to be a citizen scientist course in the future. I think so. And from our project video that we are going to put together, I think we will have a lovely display of the kind of things that we did, kind of topics that we covered, so that anyone out there who wants to learn about this can have a look at that little video and get a really good idea of what this course is and if they would want to be part of it. Well, so here we are all over, end of the show. As ever, thanks for listening. Um, thanks again to the participants of the course would not have happened without them, nor would it have happened without you, Karen, or Danielle, or Vicky, or even myself. But we all had a great time. And for anyone who becomes a citizen scientist or continues to be a citizen scientist on the back of listening to this, good luck. Well done. It's very important work to be doing. It's a great thing to do for nature, for your country to contribute to conservation in any way you can. There's loads of ways you can do it, as we've learned about as we went through the course but um more so if you do do this sort of stuff if you do engage with citizen science there's a lot that you can gain from it too it's great for you to get out there into nature and experience it that's it and you know don't forget even that dandelion in your lawn is worth recording you don't need to go to a forest or to a beach just get out there and see what's in your lawn 